Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here. And Jessica. We are talking today about how we cut our stress levels in half during the school year. Isn't that exciting? That's big. <laughs> like that's to a go big into deal. The, it is to go into the school year like confident, refreshed, relaxed. That's a nice feeling. Yes. And I have to say, when I start, we'll talk about obviously how we did that. But when I started doing this, what we're going to talk about, it honestly makes all the difference in terms of like feeling prepared, but also leaving school early. Yes. Like it's the key. It is. If there's oh nothing gosh. else that you do, this should be it. Right. I love that. And I'm just thinking, I used to have like those teacher nightmares back in August of like the start of the school year. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, school is starting. I can't sleep. I was just stressed about everything. And then I did this and it was like, those disappeared. I would totally. be excited to go yes. into school again. Yes. Yes. Um, so do you want to tell everybody what it is? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about how scheduling out your writing units throughout the year, creating a scope and sequence for your entire year is just a game changer in your classroom. We've gotten our EB Teachers Club members on board with this. They're actually participating in a contest right now, creating their own scope and sequences. And it's so fun to see them like excited and saying, my year is planned out. Like this feels amazing. This feels so good. So we want those same feelings for you. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what we did, give you some examples, all the good stuff. And so we're going to focus specifically on writing though. Like I know a lot of ELA teachers who listen or teach other parts of English language arts, but we're going to focus on writing because I do think when you plan out your scope and sequence, writing, especially if you teach writing and reading, and if you're a reading teacher, this isn't really necessarily applicable, but you can still use all of these same ideas for your reading class. But I think when we plan out our writing units first, it makes it a lot easier to then plug in our novel units, our short stories, all of the other components of ELA that we have to teach, layering those into, but starting with writing as the foundation across the board. Absolutely. So I'm thinking like the big types of writing that we taught in our classrooms, right? They were literary analysis or response to literature. Favorite. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Me too. Obsessed. <laughs> Expository writing, which covers compare and contrast, problem solution, cause and effect, descriptive. Then we do argumentative, persuasive, narrative. Like we had all the big types of writing. But once we knew where and what type of writing we were doing, then we could pencil in those literature units like you were saying earlier. So for me, if I was doing a literary analysis unit, of course I was using novels, short stories, poetry, right? But then during expository units, that's when I tie in my informational text, my nonfiction articles, that kind of stuff. I'm sure yeah. it was the same with you. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think it's so important, like you said, to pencil all of those big types of writing in because it ensures that we don't miss anything, right? And it also ensures that we're still spiraling our writing throughout the year, which we'll talk about, right? Because we do teach, you know, expository in certain places, um, but it's still spiraling in an interesting way, which I think we can talk about at the end once we've like covered everything. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really important to have it physically written down in your scope and sequence, in your calendar that you have for the whole school year, because then you can ensure that, you know, you're not missing compare and contrast all of a sudden. You're like, oh my gosh, at the end of the year, I never taught it, right. you know? And for me, at least it's like, you know, anything that we do, if it's written down in my planner, I do it, <laughs> especially Same. things that you don't necessarily want to do, like working out. If it's written down, I'm like, okay, I wrote it down. I got to go. I got to do it. <laughs> it holds you accountable, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. It's the same thing applies here. So I think it would be helpful if you guys saw 
how this looked in our classroom, like how we set it up. And of course, you're going to make adjustments to your own schedule, what works best for you and your students. But it's nice to see an example, like a practical example of, of mm-hmm. what works. Mm-hmm. So we've said this before, but Caitlin and I differ slightly in how we start our year. I always started off with narrative writing. Caitlin started off with literary analysis writing, and then we'd switch. But the point was we did both of those big genre writing or big types of writing at the very beginning of the year. That was yeah. key for us. Can I talk about why I do that? Yeah, go for it. Because I know like this is causes some questions for our EB Teachers Club members in our Facebook group. You know, I know Jessica starts with narrative. Caitlin starts with literary analysis, which we call our EB writing approach. That's our literary analysis um, writing. And the reason that I did that is because I was teaching very high level eighth graders. And I knew that at the beginning of the year, if I could get them into that, those foundational skills of literary analysis of our EB writing approach, that they were going to just crush all of the other writing styles. And so I wanted to give them really the most challenging thing right off the bat because they were capable of that. When I taught my little fifth graders for one year, I love them, but would never teach fifth grade again. Um, but I definitely started with narrative writing because, you know, they're younger. I wanted them to feel confident in writing. And it was just a different uh, group and grade level and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ability level. That's the reason sure. why I started with EB writing um, with our literary analysis unit first, just an FYI. I love that you call them little fifth graders. Like I taught <laughs> fifth graders and to me, you know, they were big kids. I loved totally. it. But I agree with you. That's why I started with narrative writing. I wanted them to have that quick win to feel confident. Um, usually they were coming into my class, not having done a ton of writing in maybe third or fourth grade, at least at like a higher level. They'd done paragraphs, but not like full-blown big mm-hmm. writing assignments. So I needed them to have that quick win. So I would pencil in my scope and sequence narrative writing, and I would schedule it for three weeks. I do my deep dive. We've talked about this on the podcast recently. Um, you can go back to actually episode 72 and you can hear more about that deep dive. And then I would pencil in for the rest of my year opportunities to spiral back to review those narrative writing techniques. So we do mini lessons on leads or on endings or transitions, whatever it was, but I would tie those into literature units throughout my year. So on my calendar, big deep dive narrative writing and then scheduled in mini lessons throughout the year. And then I know you would do something similar. Yeah, exactly. I would. And I did the same exact thing with literary analysis. So I think it's important to talk about that. Just, I know I'm kind of going off of our show notes here. No, that's fine. I think it's important to talk about that in that narrative writing, you really have to be intentional with it because it's such a different writing style than, you know, compare and contrast or persuasive, argumentative, literary analysis, at least for us in the way that we teach writing with our EB writing program and our EB writing approach is that everything starts with the literary analysis component as the foundation. And then all of the other writing styles kind of build off of that foundation. But with narratives, we have to be really intentional because it is so different. And if we aren't intentionally writing that down in our scope and sequence of when we're going to go back to going over those specific skills and, and, you know, specific components of a narrative, we might not necessarily get to it. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah, I like that you said that. I think did that I explain is important. That well? Yeah. Did I just totally ruin the whole no. flow of the episode? Not at all. I think that's important <laughs> to address for narratives. And and then we tie it back in, right? So once you are intentional with your narrative writing approach, then you plan in your scope and sequence your literary analysis unit. And for us, or for our EB teachers, I should say, that's big. That's like a six-week 
in-depth, deep dive unit again. We are teaching them the foundation of writing, tags, evidence, justification, premises, claims. I mean, I could keep going, but we really want them to master this type of writing because we are going to use it for the rest of the year over and over and over again. Like it is the foundation of our ELA curriculum. So we spend a lot of time going over evidence-based writing or responses to literature with our students. And we schedule that in our scope and sequence. And then again, we plan out little mini responses to literature, essays, et cetera, throughout the rest of the year so that students are constantly practicing those skills. Yeah. And so they, you know, learn it in depth at the beginning of the year for literary analysis, responses to literature, and they'll continue to do responses to literature throughout their year. At least for my eighth graders, they wrote seven, six or seven in-class response to literature essays, um, 60 minutes timed essays in class. That's just how I set it up. Um, so we were practicing that all the time, right? So that foundation of our EB writing approach of our literary analysis, I say EB writing approach, that's synonymous with literary analysis, evidence-based writing all means the same thing. I think we have, (laughs) I guess, three different terms for it. Um, And so that really was the foundation of it. And then once they get that foundation at the beginning of the year, those six weeks of solid, in-depth, you know, intense writing at the very beginning of the year, well, now we can move into covering other types of writing and expository, right? Then I can schedule in compare and contrast, problem solution, cause and effect, because those writing styles, at least the way that we teach it in REB writing program, they are all building off of the foundation of literary analysis. They're very similar. There are a few changes here and there, a few tweaks here and there, but it really uses the same foundational skills that students got from literary analysis at the very beginning of the year. And so that's why we set it up that way. It is so helpful for students. For sure. They are able to transfer their knowledge from literary analysis into those different writing genres and they truly excel then. You know, you're not spending so much time teaching how do I write a problem solution essay because you're like, okay, kids, remember Mm -hmm. we're talking about claims again, or we're talking about how to introduce the evidence and they have that background, right? They're using their schema, they're applying it and they're able to write really amazing essays then. And what I like is that they're able to research or write about more complex topics because they're not so much, they're not so stressed about the actual writing. They're confident about that. So now they can you know, do more complex things. It's pretty cool. Yes. It's amazing to see unfold and just the benefits of, of teaching writing in that way. Right. So back to that scope and sequence, we, we pencil in our expository units, you know, throughout the year, we just sprinkle them in kind of wherever you think it would work best. I'll give you an example of like descriptive. We tend to do that around the holidays just because it's a perfect opportunity for um, kids to have some fun with descriptive writing. We like to do a a unit about a gingerbread house for sale and have students really get into their descriptive details. And we apply all the strategies from that particular type of expository writing. So we schedule that one around the holidays, but then the other ones, problem solution, cause and effect, et cetera, those can go anywhere in your schedule that works there. We have no like bias toward one spot (laughs) or another on those. (laughs) I will say with compare and contrast, it is sometimes helpful to do at the beginning of your year, maybe like right after you do literary analysis, because then you can use the compare and contrast framework 
to do literary analysis responses later in the year. Like for instance, I teach Romeo and Juliet in uh, January, February, and I might have my students compare and contrast two of the characters from Romeo and Juliet. And because I've done that unit at the beginning of the year with, you know, informational text maybe, well, now I can do it with literary analysis, compare and contrast. Instead of comparing two topics, my students are comparing two characters or two texts even, right? That one is kind of cool to set up that way because I think it really plays into helping you um, get your students to think critically about what they're reading in your class. I like that. Definitely one, I would say, for older grades. Like in fifth grade, that's pretty complex. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't have gotten to that point. Um, But we are quite particular with our other writing genres, I would say, like persuasive writing and argumentative writing. We like to do persuasive writing like right when we return from winter break with our students, just because um, that's usually the time of year students need kind of a pick-me-up, right? They're feeling maybe a little unmotivated, but if you start off with a really fun writing unit, it gets the buy-in immediately. So for our persuasive writing unit, we like to do a speed debating activity and kids are super into it, right? We give them a bunch of topics. They have to use rhetorical devices like ethos, pathos, logos. They have to um, debate their topic with a classmate and they're just charged words. Yes. Oh my gosh. Emotionally (laughs) charged words. That's a huge part of the unit. They love it. Um, but it gets them excited about then writing a persuasive essay. So it's just a fun activity to do right when you return from winter break. You can come up with your own topics and set up like a rotation in your classroom. Super fun. You could do this digitally if you needed to. Uh, or um, distance learning, I guess I was yeah, yeah. say. There yeah. is one thing that with persuasive that I think is important to point out too, is that it is so similar to our EB writing approach to literary analysis, right? It's hold mm-hmm. a, basically the same concept, right? You're persuading somebody of your position, but with persuasive, obviously you're using those rhetorical devices, charged words. You can use first person personal pronouns in certain per- persuasive essays that you right. wouldn't use in a literary analysis essay, um, but it holds a lot of the same framework. So it's great in terms of just like reintroducing students to, hey, remember that framework that we learned at the beginning of the year? We've been practicing the whole first part of the year that maybe you forgot about for those two weeks of of winter (laughs) break. Well, now here we come back in with persuasive writing and it's like, oh, and they're right back into the flow of things. Exactly. And again, can then research more complex topics because Mm -hmm. they have that background in it. Yeah. 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 And so then the next thing that we do after persuasive, because this really builds on persuasive. And I I know that some schools teach it differently. Like in the lower grades, you'll just teach persuasive. And then the upper grades, you teach argumentative, which is the next type of writing um, based on what you're tested on. Right. It depends on your state. But we always, you know, top top both, at least in the upper grades with, with me, because my kids could handle it and because we didn't have certain tests that we had to abide by in order to teach in a certain way. Thankfully, um, we were very fortunate in that regard. Um, so we like to tie in argumentative writing kind of in the spring, right? So we've done persuasive. Now when we come back, we go back to doing some literary analysis. Maybe we do a compare and contrast essay. We're still doing narrative writing in between all of this as well. <laughs> um, and then come the spring, we go into argumentative writing. And I love argumentative writing at the end of the year because students are like, summer vacation is right around the corner. I'm kind of feeling the same way if we're being honest, right? And so we want something that hooks them, that engages them, that it keeps them interested in what we're doing. And argumentative is such an incredible way to do that. Um, And the way that we teach argumentative writing and we introduce the unit, Jessica, you can actually share. I don't, I just feel like I keep talking, but I think it's such a fun way um, to introduce this particular unit. 
It is. I know we've talked about it a bit on the podcast before, but um, kids love this. Teachers love this. And it's a whodunit murder mystery, right? We give kids like a short description of this mysterious event and we give them a picture with some clues on it. And then they work in groups and they have to basically pretend they're a detective and fill out a case report of what happened. And they have to come up with a claim. They have to find evidence in the text and in the illustration. They have to give um, reasoning and justification exactly for that evidence. They then share it with the class, gets kids debating. They come up with counterclaims, which is a huge part of argumentative writing. It is so much fun. Like seriously, your kids are going to be begging for more of this. And um, there's a great book you can check out, Crime and Puzzlement, to give you some ideas for how to do this. But it's so much fun. And it just, like Caitlin said, it hooks them from the beginning. It gets buy-in. And then we start writing our argumentative essays. And we give them a choice in their topics. Or we also give them options because we think that's important, right? We don't want to overwhelm them with freedom to choose anything. (laughs) We want to give them some guidance. But then we finish the year strong with that argumentative writing piece. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just a great way to, again, practice that EBW approach, that framework that we've taught our kids all year long. Again, it's so similar. We're just now adding in that counterclaim component. Yeah. And sorry, I'm going to say another thing too. Yeah. If you have, you know, your eighth grade, maybe seventh grade, eighth grade, and you have kids that can really be challenged, at least for me, in conjunction with working through argumentative writing, my students would still be writing a 60-minute timed in-class essay response to literature for whatever book or short story we would be reading around that time. So even though we're working on this writing style, argumentative writing, they're still writing those responses to literature. So that concept of literary analysis of our EB writing approach from the very beginning, that six-week in-depth unit at the beginning of the year, is being used all throughout the school year even when we're writing the other writing styles and it works, it's not confusing for kids because the foundations are the same because they're using those same foundational skills from literary analysis to be writing those other writing styles. And what's cool is the practice with all of these other writing styles, it actually enhances their responses to literature, their literary analysis papers, because they've been practicing these other writing styles all the time. And it just makes such a big difference for your students to be able to just write incredibly analytical papers that just go in depth and they feel confident in their writing. And you read them at the end of the year and you're like, wow, you know, from where they came at the beginning of the year to where they are now, because of what we've done so intentionally with our writing curriculum, because we set up this scope and sequence at the beginning of the year, because we knew exactly what we were going to teach when, and we knew how we were going to tie in all of these different types of writing styles into our curriculum in a seamless way that builds upon one another, that complements one another, makes such a difference for our students, but also obviously I know it's for, you know, how to cut your stress level in half. Obviously, it's for your stress level too because you know exactly what you're doing. (laughs) Yes. So it all comes back to starting that scope and sequence. Literally just finding a blank calendar or, you know, do it digital, however works best for you. But start mapping out your writing units, figuring out where in the year they work best, figuring out which pieces of literature, informational text you can use with each type of writing. It truly will decrease your stress levels. You will go into this year confident and excited. You'll have everything scheduled. You'll just be kind of plugging in the details as the year goes on, as opposed to juggling the stress of planning and prepping and grading and 
you know, coming up with lessons, all that stuff. You're going to have a big chunk of your year laid out and it's going to feel so, so good. Yeah. It makes all the difference in your life. Um, so I want to invite everybody because it's happening tomorrow. Our masterclass. Yeah. Should I share? Yes. (laughs) So if you haven't seen it yet already, which hopefully you have, um, we've been sharing it on social media and in an email, um, and some emails to our email list, um, that we are running this just amazing free writing masterclass. We're talking really about literary analysis, but you know how you can do this, uh, scope and sequence. We're going to be sharing free resources with you. We're going to give you free four free weeks of our bell ringers for a literary analysis. Um, what else are we giving away that's free? Do you remember? Oh my gosh, I do. Well, if you join the, our pop-up yes. Facebook group during this time, we're going to be giving you a reading response choice board, digital and print that helps you um, tie in these literary analysis activities throughout your year. We've got, oh my gosh, so many good activities for yeah. you guys. I just, I cannot wait for this Facebook group for this training. It's yes. Awesome. Yes. So I want to invite you to sign up for our masterclass. We, the first one's tomorrow, but we have four different options to choose from. We also have a Facebook group where we, we have bonus trainings going on. We're doing giveaways, all kinds of fun stuff, but you have to sign up for the masterclass first in order to gain access to the Facebook group. So go ahead and go to ebacademics.com forward slash writing masterclass. Pick your date that you want to come show up for our masterclass. We're going to talk about four um, strategies for teaching literary analysis, writing like a pro, you know, how you can really, uh, step into this role that we're talking about as writing instructors so that you can feel the same sort of confidence. Obviously I feel like that we feel as we talk about writing, we want you to feel that way too. So and pick, I think it's important to note, yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting that's you, fine. to feel that confidence, no matter what this school year yes. looks like, right? If you're in the classroom, if it's a hybrid approach, if you're teaching from home, whatever it is, we're going to have you covered in this class. Yeah. Yeah. We really do. I mean, we talk about distance learning, everything we're giving you for free is digital adapted as well um, for distance learning. So pick your date, join the Facebook group, watch the bonus trainings, you know, use those free resources that we're sharing with you so that you can really step into that confidence and that excitement to get the year started, no matter what the school year looks like. So again, the link is ebacademics.com forward slash writing masterclass. It is all free and we can't wait to see you there. All right. That's it for this episode. You guys let's cut our stress levels in half the school year. Yes. I like it. (laughs) All right. We will see you next week on the podcast. Have a good day, you guys. Bye. Bye.